Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 41 of Coach Prep. Don, ready for another week? 41. This is awesome. We're uh, we're getting some in the in the can here for Absolutely. Coach Prep. See, seeing the numbers rack up the way they are, it's nice. uh, uh, very exciting, and, uh, and obviously we're happy to keep things moving. So before we get started, we want to talk about our presenting sponsor, Cleat It Up FP. Cleat It Up is the communication tool you need to use. Uh, it's an app for your phone. will address all your communication needs, whether it's within the team, within the organization. also has a really cool social media aspect where you can share information, photos, uh, news about the team, all that kind of good stuff. We're also very excited that we're going to be adding a second sponsor, Nexair. We'll have more to talk about with Nexair here in the future. It's a company that does all kinds of supplies, medical gases, uh, welding supplies, masks, PPEs, all different kinds of stuff. Uh, we also want to make sure that we mention our Patreon page. Uh, we've got several patrons that have come on board. We're very excited about that. Please check out our Patreon page. It's an opportunity for those of you that listen to help support Coach Prep and everything yes. Fast Pitch. You know, Coach Don and I want to keep uh, building on what we've been doing. We've just kind of reached a point where we need some uh, support. Outside support, um, yeah. have set up three different levels. The lowest level is basically the equivalent of one skipped, cup of coffee. Uh, yeah, one yeah. skipped Starbucks trip this month. If you uh, enter at the entry level, you get mentioned on the podcast. If you go into the second level, you get a free T-shirt and you get mentioned. And then the third level, um, you get to mention the T-shirt and you get a monthly discussion with either Coach Don or I just kind of chit-chatting about the great game of fast-pitch softball. So nice. please check out our Patreon page. We would love for you to become a patron. So Don, the base runners checklist. Let's talk about base running a little bit today. Well, that can make or break games all the time, and, and I really uh, get excited when I watch players that um, take advantage of opportunities, and, and those kind of things are uh, instinctive more than a, a thought process, really. So that means we need to talk about it and practice it. Right. Well, we definitely need to practice it a lot more than most people do. And so I came across this uh, list, and I thought it was a pretty good one, so I thought we'd just yeah. kind of go through it step by step. So uh, number one on the base runner's checklist is to advance on a ground ball. Seems to be the most fundamental of plays, but I think uh, when we start to think about uh, base running becoming more instinctive and something that kids are just better at, I think uh, where the practice comes in is that um, sometimes you can see a ball, uh, anticipate that a ball really is going to be on the ground before anybody can get to it, get a much better jump, get a much better read on the play, and have a chance to put a lot more pressure on the defense. So advancing on a ground ball is the most fundamental thing on the list. But I think it's an important thing because if we can really work hard at it, um, if I'm that runner at third base and there's a slow roller up the middle or a chopper up the middle, if I can see that angle, uh, read the ball early, I get a chance to get a really big head start and put an awful lot of pressure on that defense, uh, even to the point where they give up on trying to make a play on me or they much. rush too much and then mm -hmm. something else good happens for us. So no, I think that's good. So number one is advancing on the ground ball. Number two is what to do with a fly ball. So we'll talk about first base first. When I'm at first base, the golden rule is I always start off thinking about going halfway. So sure. halfway on the fly ball. Now, halfway is a relative term. So I think that uh, what you're trying to say there, Tori, is that you want to get as far off of first base as you can. And depending on the depth of the, the fly ball and the position of the fly ball, so that if it is caught, that we can still get back comfortably to first base. Right. And we are taking a, as much advantage of being off the bag if it does get dropped 
right. that we can advance as far as possible. Right, because one of the most uh, aggravating things, I think, in the world is to be on offense and have somebody hit a deep fly ball, uh, a ball that might be in the gap, that ends up dropping in off the wall, whatever it might be, and have that runner at first tagging up or so close to first base that they have to stop at second on a ball that they realistically should be at third and maybe even could have scored on if they were doing a better job. Just to kind of talk through this situation, as Don said, it depends a lot on where the ball is hit and what kind of play it is. To me, halfway is just a way of reminding our hitters that they need to get as far as they can. But if it's a shallow fly ball to the right fielder, halfway might really be you get two you in steps. Trouble. Yeah. yeah, it might be three steps, and but you know, it might be one step. It's you know going to charging in right if she's charging that in play. that she could make that play. If the ball's hit out in that left center field gap, and we're not really sure if either the center fielder or the left fielder is going to catch it, then halfway for me might mean one foot away from second base. So that if it does touch the ground, I'm already headed to third as soon as I see that it's on the ground. Right. Now, in that situation, of course, you are trading off the opportunity on a ball that's hit deep in the gap that you might have been able to tag up at first and advance to second. But to me, the risk of not advancing as far as you can when the ball does drop in versus the occasional base you get by tagging up when it does get caught, the risk is way greater than the than the opposite opportunity. I think that's a great point, Tori. And and sometimes you're just you're assessing, you know, no pun intended, on the fly. You, you I mean each instance is different. So there's no have to or no perfect coaching rule there. You gotta go with the feel and kids make mistakes. Kids make great plays. Right. They might, you know, just make a a shoestring diving catch out there that would be hard to do once out of 10 times right and uh you know to say that there's a a perfect rule for any of that you got to make it up as you go right one you know looking back again i've been doing this for a very long time the number of runs we have not scored because somebody didn't get far enough off of first base so far outweighs the occasional run we got because somebody tagged up and went to second yeah is you know, I, I bet you it's a hundred to one. You know when you start thinking about the percentages of this game, if we know ninety nine times out of a hundred, you have better payoff from pushing that and getting as far as you can, so that if the ball does drop in, that you're going to be able to advance and maybe score versus the one time you might get to tag up and and advance. So that was talking about just a runner on first base. Right. And I know, uh, and I haven't seen our list yet for today. But but the runner on second or the runner on third is a whole different. And then when when you are the runner on first base and you do have a runner on second base as well, that kind of changes dynamics a little bit. Right. And so the only time, let's just clean up first base real quick. The only time I think a runner should be tagging up at first base is if there's other runners on base that are likely to you're going to mimic throw, what they're doing right that are likely to draw a throw so you can advance you know let's say it's a fairly routine deep fly ball to left field and yeah. you know you've got a runner at third and she's likely to tag up and try to score that's the time i would say tagging up at first base makes sense because then you might be able to advance on the throw and you're still going to be in scoring position right but the that to me is the only time that tagging up at first base is is a lot, and then of choice. course a long fly foul ball, right? And all foul yeah. balls, you all should foul tag balls, up. yeah, right. Okay, so so I think we got first base cleaned up, second base, third base. Uh, second base is again one of those the situation's going to change drastically depending upon 
um, the situation as it happens. And my golden rule used to be um, that at second base, you're always going to tag up, but I've changed my mind on that over the years. I think you Arms still are stronger. Right, and, I still think yeah. you tag up quite often at second base, but I think that you again have to be able to read that di- the difference. Um, yeah. uh, if it's a little blooper out behind shortstop, tagging up doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you're not going to advance to third if she anyway, catches it. So you may but, as well be off as far as you can and still be able to get and back. And still know you can get back. Yep. So it, the further the shortstop is chasing that little pop-up out towards the left field line, maybe foul territory, the further, third, yep. the, the further I'm going to you know lean off the bag. As soon as I know it's foul, then I'm going to go back and tag up for sure. She but, dives and misses. Right. So, so second base is, is probably, in my mind, you know, the most complicated. Deep fly ball, uh, fly ball to right field, fly ball in the gap to right center. Uh, we're going to tag up then because realistically, if any of those balls drop in, you should still she score should from still second. Score. Uh, and if she catches it in deep right center field, then you have a chance to advance. So second base is pretty complicated. Third base to me is the easiest one. Ball hit in the air, you should always be standing on the bag. The thing that is a hard thing to get young players to understand so for So line sure, driver higher. Well, and, and really anything that's in the air. Mm-hmm. You should be standing on third base, and you know one of the things that uh, I'm I'm seeing consistently with younger players is when they're at third base, they're so excited and they're so amped up when that ball gets hit, that it's screaming jump, line drive, that deep jumping. fly ball, they're already thirty feet off the line or down the line, thinking that it's not going to be caught. Right. And unfortunately, in a lot of those situations, they can't get back and tag up in time to score. Continually drilling that idea that if you're the runner at third base, you have two jobs. Number one is you cannot get doubled off freeze on, on, a, line drive. on a line drive. Yep, so you yep. have to freeze on the line drive. We're going to talk about that in a second. And the second thing is you have got to be standing on the bag when that ball gets hit in the air so you have the opportunity to tag up and go. Because if it lands, you're going to score easy, right? right? You know, the only time that that would be different and the only time that I think you can you know, start to you know, wander off third base a little bit, again, that blooper situation where the ball's not very deep where you know if it gets caught, you're not going to be able to tag up. Yep. Then you know you get back to the bag, you recognize what kind of ball it is, and then you might start to float down the line just enough to give yourself a head start if it does drop in, but still close enough that you can get back if it does get caught. Right, and that's, uh, again, practice, right? We got to do what we're doing today and talk about it as a group and right. you know have a little bit of a philosophy there and um, there's always going to be that crazy time when, you know, you're going to risk things a little bit more for, uh, you know, for the opportunity to win a big game or something like that. But for the most part, talk about it. The kids know what to, uh, expect what's expected and, uh, and then they need to be reminded, right? Right. Absolutely. What the situation is. Yep. So the next piece of this is freeze on the line drive. That's the next thing on the, on the base running checklist. Obviously, if you're at third base, the cardinal sin, the absolute worst thing you can do is to get doubled off on a line drive. Because if you're at third base, we've already worked hard to get you there. If there's nobody out, you're going to have other chances to score. If there's one out and that line drive gets caught, we still have another chance for you to score. Maybe there's a pass ball. Maybe there's a wild pitch. You just said the tricky part there. Maybe there's another hit. Pass ball and we're trying to get a good jump, right? Right. That's tricky. Now, but with two outs, obviously, it's different because then your only concern is can I get picked off? Right. Okay. But the line drive is the, the grand mystery for most base runners. And the number of times that you'll see runners get doubled off on all bases on that line drive is, is pretty 
consistent. It's pretty routine now to see it happening. You know, the one thing that, you know, we always try to remind our base runners is, you know, to check up on the line drive, you know, to, to freeze on the line drive so that you can see that it's going to go through. And once it does go through, then you'll have time to, you know, to get back on the Plenty of time. back on the horse and get moving. But if you keep running, we've just made that potential double play that much easier. We had a situation earlier this uh, summer with our 12 and under team. Um, our right fielder was going hard after a ball in the gap, and she almost made like a Willie Mays, you know, type. Amazing, catch. yeah. If she had caught the ball, we would have had a triple play because the runner at first base was already to third. Right. The runner at second was past home plate. The runner at third was in the dugout shaking hands with her teammates. Nice. She could have caught it, run in, touched second, touched third, touched first herself. She could have had an unassisted, unassisted. triple play nice. for the outfield because there was no way in the world that those runners were ever going to get back. Because seriously, the runner at third was in the dugout. I was going to say, that's I mean, that's, you wild. know, yeah, yeah. because she as soon as that ball got hit, she went rolling. Yeah, and it worked out in that situation for them because unfortunately she did not make the catch. Right, but you know that's one of those crazy things where you just never know. And and the runner at third and the runner at second were both going to score as it drops if it drops because they did. Yeah, and the runner first was going to get to third. They if didn't it did. gain. They didn't gain anything. In yeah, what they did. Their, their risk was way greater than what they could have gained. So yeah. so uh, number three is freeze on the line drive. Number four is pick up the third base coach on a base hit. So if you're at first base, you're at second base, when you see that ball get hit, you see that ground ball going through the infield, see that base hit in the 5-6 hole, that base hit up the middle, we want you to go as hard as you can, but we want you to pick up the third base coach so that they can help you determine whether you should advance or not. And yeah, just lean on them because they can have a maybe sometimes a greater scope of what's going on around you, right? A, and a better view. You know, our job is to as hard as we can and and advance as far as we can. Right. And the one thing for base runners is, you know, I, I've always believed that if you're run, you know, trying to score from second on a base hit, that you should be standing on the gas and not worrying about anything except what the third boy, base coach tells you to do. Sure. And if you know you get thrown out. Well, guess what? That's not your fault. You've done it's everything that you were on, supposed to do, and your coach was being aggressive or whatever, and it just didn't work out that time. But if you hesitated a little bit in between there, right? That's it, when you got to wonder. You start stutter stepping and uh -huh. that kind of stuff. So, um, so pick up the third base coach. Number five is be sure the bunt is down before you run. Right. Again, would seem you logical. Be, you can be moving, but right. You got to see what's happening at the gotta, plate, yeah, and yeah. be able to get back if the ball gets popped up. Unfortunately, and we've talked about bunting a lot on coach prep, or if it's just missed, right? Yeah, a missed and, pitch, right? And it's it's not um, the greatest strength in the game of fast pitch softball anymore. Under trained um, sometimes, yeah. And yeah. so, if I'm a base runner, for me to run the bases, assuming my partner's going to get that bunt down, is is pretty high risk behavior. I was going to say, we may have everybody bunt a, an extra round this week, Tori. That reminds me. Yeah, it'd probably be a good idea. Yeah. But again, if we practice it, then we can get better at it. We see the angle. We see the position the bat's in. We can see the height of the pitch. We can start to have a pretty good idea if this ball is going to get bunted down. If it does, as soon as we read that angle, we see it headed down, and we know it's not going to get caught. You know, then we're in a position that we can get on the horse and go like crazy. And Tori, that makes me think of uh, slappers too, right? When, yep. when a slapper's up to bat. Many times they're very good about getting the ball on the ground, right? And they're less likely for that line drive double doubled off type scenario. And uh, we might be a little bit more aggressive in our lead. 
Right. But so the whole idea is with more practice of it with, from a base running perspective, I think we'll do a better job of it. And again, all this stuff we want to do enough so that it becomes more instinctive, that players don't have to necessarily wait for somebody else to tell them to go, that they can see the situation and, and get going on their own. Well, Torian, you've mentioned this to our listeners a number of times about uh, talking about this is one thing, but practicing and putting it to good use is another. And um, for them to experience this in practice is gold, right? Right. And it's important if we're going to be a good base running team. So the next one is to be alert for the past ball, wild pitch, or what I call just the BOD, the ball in the dirt. You know, the BID is um, one of those things that's a lost art, I believe, in this game. If you're a fast base runner and you're at first base and you see the ball headed for the dirt, you should already be leaning. You see it touch the ground, you should be going. Because the number of catchers who can block and throw a runner out at second or even scoop the ball and throw a runner out at second is pretty small. If you've got reasonable speed. Right. If, you've got, if you're you know, fast to pretty fast. Right. Now, if you're a you know, real slow base runner, obviously the you know, this same situation does not apply to you. But the one thing that um, I think happens is too often base runners are not anticipating. That's not more looking. the issue than the speed. Um, you, know, yeah. you, might, you might be playing against a team that's got a drop ball pitcher and she's working the bottom of the zone. She throws a lot of balls that are down. That's going to happen. And that right? should, to me, be a absolute ready, set, go kind of situation, thinking that a lot of these balls are going to be in the dirt, and we're going to try to really put pressure on the defense. But again, you know, it, it's always a risk and reward thing. The one thing that I think happens and gets in players' heads and gets in coaches' heads sometimes is we get one kid thrown out, and we think our philosophy was bad. I think running aggressively, putting pressure on the defense with steals and hit and runs and uh, BIDs, whenever the ball's in the dirt, we are going. For the number of bases we gain by having that aggressive attitude so outweighs the risk of having somebody thrown out. But unfortunately, you know, I think coaches and players get in their heads, you know, they get one kid thrown out in the first inning, and they, well, that's it, we can't run today. That well, makes it tough, for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. even major league catchers only throw out 25 or 30% of the base runners they see. Yeah, well, and those guys are quick, too. And, and, and they spend their whole life being catchers. So now, there are some college catchers and, and high-level travel ball catchers that probably are throwing out 60%. Right. But the reason they throw out 60 or 70% is that not very many people run on them. Well, and, and they know when it's happening. Right. Yep. I think if, uh, if you've got a kid who's got some speed and she's you know, trained herself to be a good base runner, that ball in the dirt should be a green light. And there's fewer of those bad pitches to make that throw. Right. They're, they're all reasonable. Yeah. And, and again, now, if we've got a runner at third base, you, know, the, you can always tell the kids that are thinking about trying to advance at, at, at every opportunity. If you watch enough softball games, you're going to see a kid score from third on a ball that gets blocked and ends up only maybe being 10, 12 feet from home plate. But because that base runner was already you know, moving, she saw that yeah. drop ball, that low pitch headed towards the dirt. She was already leaning that way. As soon as she sees it in the dirt, she's expecting it to get away. As soon as it moves a little bit away from the catcher, she's on her way. And what a great impression for us as college right. coaches to see people that anticipate and that have obviously been working at this. And that's just their softball IQ seems high to me when when I see people taking advantage of these things, Tori. Right. And, and some of it, again, we have, to, we have to practice it quite often. And then we also have to instill in our kids the fact that we appreciate the aggressiveness. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that's not on the list, but the, you know, we spend a lot of time working on our really aggressive leadoff. 
And my philosophy has always been, if nobody ever gets called out for leaving too early, we've, you're not pushing it enough. We've missed some opportunities. Yeah. You know, if, if we get an occasional runner called out for leaving early, that means we're really trying hard to be aggressive in our leadoffs, really trying to get the advantage of you know, being on that raggedy edge. Puts, again, a lot more pressure on the catcher, a lot more pressure on the defense to be able to do all the things that we want to do. Well, and if we want that pressure to be on, on our opponent um, to applaud aggression, even when it doesn't go our way, if right. it was done correctly and if everything was right, you know, we didn't make any errors or mistakes in that uh, timing of it, to applaud that aggression with our group lets that other team know that, hey, we're still coming, you better be careful. Right. Well, and if one of our base runners gets a really good jump and runs aggressively and slides aggressively and she gets thrown out, you just shake the catcher's hand on your way by, by to the dugout and say, hey, yep. nice throw. Yep. Nice job. That's, but, all, that's all you can do. But then you run again the next chance But we're you coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then again and again and again. Yep. And at the end of the day, if you've stolen seven bases but got thrown out once, I think you should be pretty happy about that. We're on the good end of that. But unfortunately for most teams, if the first one gets thrown out, they're never going to run again. We get stumped. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the last thing on our, or our base running checklist is checking the outfield positioning. This is one of those things that I don't think enough base runners do. You know, they don't have an awareness of where the outfield is set up, which gives them a lot of information that they can use to get a better jump or to recognize opportunities maybe to get an extra base. Sure. So if I'm on base, you know, look for the sign, and then I'm going to look for where the outfielders are. If they're deep... Are they playing on the fence yeah, line? Yeah, if they're deep then I'm going to be expecting on a ground ball base hit that I'm going first to third. I'm not even, you know, I'm going to look for my coach for the stop sign, but I'm not expecting to see it. You'll take the confirmation, but... Right. Yep. If the you know, outfielders are medium deep and then we get that same situation where I'm on first base and we get a, you know, a ground ball you know, up the middle, then Still I'm starting to think I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to, you know, look, I'm going to go as hard as I can. Maybe I get a bobble and then I can go. If they're playing fairly shallow... Well, then that tells me something new. Then I got to haul You're hugging mail, tight. Yeah. you know, just to make sure I get to second because they might be shallow enough to even, you know, think about a force out. Yep. You know, the, where the outfielders are positioned. Same thing would be true of those little bloop Texas leaguer type hits. If they're really deep and that ball's hit and I start to recognize, wait a second, the shortstop's not going to be able to get there. She's not going to catch up to that ball. I need to get out there. Right. Then I need to push the envelope of how far I'm going and, and maybe, again, be thinking first to third, maybe be thinking, you know, scoring from second. So if somebody does round the bag, actually, Tori, when they go, if, if it does get caught, they've got to go and retrace their steps and go back to the bag. Right, right? and retouch the bag. So if you are rounding second base and then all of a sudden the shoestring catch happens, you can't just turn around and go back to first base, yeah. right? I did see We've a kid go. Retrace. I did see a kid go from third across the infield over the pitcher's mound to first base as, the other day. As so. you're as you're describing this stuff, it's uh, making me dream of some of those instances. So yeah, yeah. no, I I've I've seen it this summer. Not <laughs> not our team, thank God, but right. I did see it. We gain a lot of information again. You know, the idea of this base runners checklist is things like checking the outfielders, knowing where they're positioned. You know, all these other things that we've talked about are all tools that you should have in your toolbox. Absolutely. And the more knowledge you have, the more awareness you have of what's going on on the field, you know, the better opportunity you have. We want all our teams to take more advantage of the opportunities that base running provides for them. It's one thing that everybody can improve. If you're a fast kid, you've got the best of both worlds. You're fast, and if you become a good base runner, you're going to be an amazing threat. If you're a slow kid, but you're a great base runner, you're still going to put pressure on the defense and you're going to get bases that other people might not. Absolutely. No, I, and 
again, softball IQ is is a, a huge advantage for anybody that works at it. And you know, on rain days, as you're describing all these things, Tori, I'm dreaming about a runner getting as far off as they can from first base while they watch to see if the ball's caught or dropped. You know, for us to to rehearse these things and talk about them is going to be golden for the kids. And you know, on a rain day, we could have you know where we describe these things, talk about it, right. and get them comfortable. Yeah, yeah when well, we. Uh... Had a rainy practice the other day, and we ended up working on base running in our little defensive area, so the bases were like 15 feet apart. Yeah. But it still gave us a chance to work on all these things, and we had a couple of kids that were, you know, quote-unquote playing defense using a tennis ball. And so now when when can you tag up in advance? Well, when she touches the ball. Right. So then we'd say, okay, you know, bobble this a little bit and see if she still goes. So it's first touch, right? right? so first touch. And again, you know, practicing those kinds of things, because I've seen outfielders you know, fumble with a ball a little bit and see that base runner at third base, like start, stop, Wait, start, waiting, stop, waiting, go back, waiting. go in, and all that. And, you know, it's important that we practice these things so that we can get better at it. I love it. This is good stuff. All right. So that's going to wrap up episode number 41. Also wanted to mention that uh, our list of patrons, people that are already contributing, uh, Johnny Barnett, Billy Cooper, Chris Kern, Rob Rauch, and Adam Durston. Thank you all very much for your support of uh, Coach Prep and everything Fast Pitch. And again, we're looking for more patrons. So if you uh, are interested in helping us out, check us out at patreon.com and everything fast pitch are also in the show notes. We appreciate the help. Yeah, we definitely do. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tori in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio saying thanks for listening to episode number 41 of Coach Prep. We'll talk to you again next week.